Hey, Kate. Hi. Uh, hi. Oh, wait, is that your podcast voice? <laughs> I was reflecting your energy. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, welcome to welcome welcome back. Welcome to another edition of our show. Of our show. <laughs> we have like a show. It's almost over. So close. So close. We got a couple bits of business up here at the top. I mean, I guess. Well, here's one. I'll just jump into this. We had a we had a reader question or a listener question. Actually, actually, it's not a it's specifically not a reader question. It's a listener question. So Erica is listening to these episodes, but not reading the book. Right. And she mentioned when she listened to the last episode that she listened to, which is not the last episode we recorded that because uh, I'm behind on editing these and getting them out. Uh, she mentioned that she got confused between the use of the word infinite jest, the title of this book, mm-hmm. infinite jest, the title of the movie that James in Condensa made mm-hmm. and the entertainment, the movie that James in Condensa made, which is the same as the movie infinite jest is it brackets <laughs> five question mark if we look in the i actually looked it up in the filmography as part of trying to so infinite jest five is the entertainment we the all indications are that infinite jest five all right what was the last thing you said uh erica was confused uh no 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 not that part not that part know. I don't know what the last thing I said. Sometimes oh. I have to go all the way back to the beginning. When you ask what the last thing I said, <laughs> I'm like, no, okay. Hey, Kate, welcome. <laughs> uh, okay. All indications, if we look at the filmography of James and Condenza, We're led to the believe. last entry that five times he has made a movie called Infinite Jest. The last, they're all unreleased. The last one has Madame Psychosis in it. That is the only thing that is known about it because it is officially unreleased. And so, so we often here call that the entertainment, which is what most people in the book call it. And then I think Erica was specifically talking about a, a episode where I talked about our the sort of theory that perhaps at the very end of this book, we will discover that this book awesome. equals the entertainment slash infinite jest, the film and if that's the case, I'm going to go throw the book in the lake. <laughs> well, let's find out, shall we? Yeah. So I guess I just wanted to clear that up for anyone who was listening and was confused by that, is that the entertainment and Infinite Jest are both used inside the book Infinite Jest to refer to a film cartridge made by James in Condensa. One more time. Oh, you need me to say that again? Well, hi, Kate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, our other piece of big business is last week I told everybody to that we would be reading to page 875. And during the week... Hold on to your hats. During the week, you texted me and said, what if, what if we read another half week worth, half week's worth, and got caught up so that we were on track... So we could finish next week. And I said, sure, why not? No, you said. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what I said. I I think I said, wow. (laughs) Okay. 
sure. I guess I could do that. I said something like that. And we did it. So we read to page 907. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Not bad. Now, had had you read the extra half week when you proposed that? Or you were just proposing that and you read it after? I had read like a little into it. Mm. And then just got it in my head that I wanted to bang it out. Because I, I spent an entire day reading the section. Mm. The whole thing in one day. Sorry. I have a cold. Um, and so then I was like, well, I've got like three more days left to read. I can read a half section, so... Yeah, That's so we I did it. From. How did? Yeah, so I guess that answer. I usually ask you how it was, but that's how it was. It was easy enough to read. Mm-hmm. Any any big thoughts before we jump in? No, you've got lots of notes, which is awesome. Not really. No, tons and tons and tons of notes. So we start up this week. Uh, we start up in the middle of a section that we were sort of in the middle of last week where Hal in Condensa is trying to go to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, but he has an, an out-of-date guide to meetings in the area. Oh, is this the one that I told you what happened? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so he is at a, uh, he's at a meeting where a bunch of burly men are holding teddy bears and talking about their inner infant. And uh, I wrote down, oh, he's making fun of late 80s, early 90s uh, men's movement. Mm-hmm. And then like two pages later, Hal is like, Hal realized he was at a men's movement meeting. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, well, call it out, I guess. <laughs> and I looked up, I had to look up exactly when like Robert Bly's Iron John came out. I don't even know what that is. This was a thing. I mean, do you do you not remember this? This was a thing in the late eighties, early nineties. Was sort of a, a this uh, thing about men reclaiming their masculinity in a um, sort of. And I want to make. I was thinking about it like like very pre men's rights activists. Like it's not a men's rights thing. It was kind of comes out of like a hippie kind of a vibe of like men dealing with masculinity of like what is it sort of i think that was was sort of a stirring of like recognizing hey there's feminism what is masculinity and how do we deal with it and and what is what is it good for and uh it was kind of a big thing of like men going out and that's a very positive definition yeah i mean it was it was a little it was a little uh a little hippie you could it would be easy to criticize it as being a little hippy dippy. That would be my <laughs> precise scientific words to criticize it. Um, but I don't think it was a bad thing at all. And so, uh, you know, it was a little silly. I didn't, I didn't go drum, but I think I read the first three chapters of Iron John or whatever. I didn't read the whole thing, but uh, it was around when I was kind of in. I was very definitely in those years involved in much more hippy dippy culture. But you were the, in college, yeah. I was like a preteen like a teenager hmm. you know like 12 well yeah you know, so. so i don't know so this whole section i'm just like wow you're really you're really skewering you got it man you're really you're really giving it to them these guys trying to get in touch with their feelings like you've really <clears throat> i don't know like it just felt like very 
out of out of uh, so many things in here, like very much stuck in the particular time he was writing this. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's making fun. He's you know this is supposedly in the future, but he's like really really sticking it to some to a particular social movement of the late eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just makes it feel real dated. I don't know. It would just be like I was thinking about this, like coming across like you know, in some Victorian novel or something like some, you know, 10 pages of like really sticking it to the wigs, you know, and you're like, oh boy, I I guess that was a political movement, but <laughs> I don't know anything about it. It just feels really dated. Hmm. So that's all. I mean, it was a fairly useless section as far as like moving the story along. Like he tried to go to a meeting. He failed. Yeah. And then we got all of this so much detail yeah. about that meeting and the people in it. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, it's placement in the book. Like we're coming. We're, and this is so weird to say, like still like freaking 100 pages from the end or whatever. Or, uh, But like, come on, you've set up so much. We need to be barreling towards the end here. This is not the time. To take, to take 10 pages to make fun of a late 80s social movement. Like maybe maybe a third of the way through you could get away with that. Oh, yeah. Maybe sure. two thirds of the way through. <laughs> but like not now. We got to be finishing things up. Don't take time for any of this nonsense. That's what I thought. I feel uh, like that could be the theme of your criticism. Don't take time. We don't have time for any of this nonsense. <laughs> we don't, yes. We don't have time for this nonsense. I don't know if we encountered this word before. Uh, Kurt Wang. Kurt Wang. Kurt Wang. We have. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> you were blinded. It was just, know, you were seeing it so looking. often. <laughs> Wait. Are we doing words? Well, when, they, when we come across them. You got a good word? Oh, what page are you on? I'm about to start page 809. Oh, I got a while good okay. to go before. <clears throat> so, Gately uh, is in the hospital, and uh, Tiny Elwell is talking at him, and then he has some dreams. And then Calvin Thrush, who's I guess is one of somebody at the um, the Ennett House, uh, comes and again in "Don't Waste My Time" tells us the whole story. Of how they got Gately, like when they picked him up off the ground and then took him into the Ennett house and then called the doctor, called, got him to the hospital, tells us the whole story. And there's so many parts in here where he just time jumps us, right? We got one coming up with uh, uh, poor Tony Krause and Lentz, mm-hmm. right? Where we just skip over, we see somebody, and then it is suddenly, uh, you know, a day later. And we just have to infer what happened. Keeping you on your toes, fuzzy. And this one, he get, he's like, "Oh, let me let me catch you up on every and and the whole story is you were real heavy and you lost a lot of blood." <laughs> and so it wait, takes like you're criticizing the fact that he was using it as an opportunity to fill in all the blanks that he had left, and it wasn't just to show how annoying the guy was. Or, mm. Um. Or thing I can't think quickly. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, I guess it is a. I guess there's two. Yeah. Well, you could show us because 
at this point, again, like we, we've got a lot of plot. There's a plot here, right? <clears throat> that I'm going to be grumpy with all this plot if it just, I mean, there are plenty of literary novels where there's a kind of a plot and then it just stops or whatever. But so that's going to make me grumpy. <laughs> If none of this I is resolved. I feel like if this was a morning talk show, every time you said grumpy, I would have a sound effect. Oh. I <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> uh, Sweet. So you could show us that the character was annoying with some different information instead of catching us up on... Are you mean like the, the level of detail, like um, like specific detail? Or do you mean just how it happened? Like, what do you mean? Like, what's your criticism? Like, my critic, my criticism originally was, we don't need to know this. We know that he was involved in that fight, and then we got him to the hospital. We don't, we don't need to know how, exactly how Gately got to the hospital. And and I'm gonna have to trust you on. Well, you know what? I didn't read it that closely because who cares? Okay. <laughs> But, like, if there wasn't a, a nugget of information in there, I, yeah. Like, is it ever worth it to, like, have to, like, wade through all of the ridiculous writing to get to that nugget? I don't even know what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> moving so, on. Moving on. So, moving on, there's a section break, a little, you know, a couple line breaks. Uh, but it's Gately again. And so now Jeffrey Day is with him. And then we meet a wraith. We meet a ghost. And it is James in Condenza. We finally hear from his perspective. We finally hear from his perspective. I mean, we don't get to that part yet, but we're introduced to him for a while. Yeah. And we figure out that it's... That it's James in Condenza. Yeah. I wrote down... I, I feel good about... I, I wrote down James in Condenza? Question mark. What page? And then... Uh, I don't know what page I wrote it down on. I, I wrote mine down. When did you write it down? I thought I wrote it down. And then here's my note. Why does Gately care about this? And then in all caps, a boring ghost. <laughs> and then I wrote down, uh, oh, it is J-O-I. And he made... Oh, 835, page 835. Mm, you called it. I wrote down, oh, so he made Infinite Jest to try to get Hal to respond to the world? Well, specifically to him. Yeah. But also, yeah, he felt like Hal was disappearing. Mm -hmm. You're you're perplexed. Yeah, well, I'm just, I guess I'm perplexed by this whole, like, the colliding here of why, why James in Condenza as a ghost would be appearing to Gately. If it's a hallucination, because Gately's certainly having some crazy dreams, how would he know anything about James in Condenza? He wouldn't. He wouldn't know all this information. Mm Mm-hmm. So it is it a really a ghost? Is this and if it is, why would he be appearing to Gately, who is nothing to him and explaining all this? And why does Gately care about this? That's why you look perplexed? Yes. <laughs> well, are you is it do you want to find out? Or do you feel like it should have been clearly stated? You know what, I guess I, there's always the possibility we'll find out. I'm just starting to think we won't. <laughs> and I started and I was just saying like I was just complaining about like hurry it up, move it along, get the plot going, but then this is a very if there if I guess I'm just putting my because we aren't done with the book. We have 70 pages left after tonight. 
it's possible it's going to all be tied up and made sense but it really feels sort of clunky like ooh i've got these two big threads well i'll just have a like, this one character from one thread appear as a ghost <laughs> to to the main character of the other thread but isn't this supposed to be some big hamlet thing so is gately hamlet because how would be Hamlet? Ga- uh, Incandenza would need to appear there's to a ghost, and there's right, supposed to be all this Hamlet Hamlet's stuff father there. appears to him, not to who would Gately even be in that uh, illegitimate mapping? son? You think Gately is James Incandenza's <laughs> illegitimate son? I don't know. All right. I'm just throwing stuff out. <laughs> I'm brainstorming. All right. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, that's one of my notes. It's going to be some... The finger guns is one of your notes? <laughs> <laughs> Shooting well, up Hamlet, my ceiling like Yosemite Sam? I didn't Google it. I'm positive that that whole thing is some Hamlet thing. It's just above our heads. Okay. Let's just trust that. Okay. Okay, Um, I wanted to share my word. Oh, I'd love to hear your word. Because I feel like we skipped ahead of it. I'm sorry. What's your word? It, the the it's Brody, Brody. Yeah, and the context was take a Brody off the roof. Okay. And in 1886, Steve Brody jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge and survived. Oh. So if you take a Brody off the roof, it's to jump off a high place and survive. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, take a Brody. Interesting. A little story. Yeah. Came with a story. That's awesome. Congratulations, James Brody. <clears throat> James, Robert. What did you just say? Steve. Steve. <laughs> None of those. <laughs> Steve Brody. <laughs> Steve doesn't. In what year? 1886. Steve does not sound like an 1886. Okay. Maybe it was Steven. Maybe it was and Steven. I just like right. quickly wrote Steve. <laughs> you were still way off. It's not like <laughs> that would have made a difference. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. <laughs> Uh, so then the wheelchair assassins are in the Atoli's shop and Lentz and poor Tony Krause have time jumped. We've, we last saw them both running away from their distinctive, uh, street crimes. Uh, this section I had to read like two or three times. And each time I was like, what is going on here? Because there's that confusing bit about the digits. Yes. I had to read that. Did you <laughs> did you figure it out? No. So so this is kind of terrible. Um, is the last time we saw the wheelchair assassins. So much like there was a section where that talked about how the um, Office of Unspecified Services has a copy of the entertainment and how they were using test subjects, right? They were using like prisoners to to see what the effects of mm-hmm. the entertainment were on people. Uh, when the wheelchair assassins discovered their um, copy, they began doing experiments in the, in the shop. And one of their experiments, it was really gross was that they would show one of their prisoners, the, um, the entertainment and then tell them uh, that they had to cut off one of their own fingers in order to be, in order to get another viewing. And that the people would do, would do it. So people would cut off their own fingers in order to be allowed to watch the entertainment one more time. That's so disturbing. It's very disturbing. And so now, 
Lentz and poor Tony Krause, we've followed them for pages and pages and pages, and now they are locked in a back room in this shop being experimented on by the wheelchair assassins. And evidently, Lentz, the same proposition was given to them, but that Lentz was cutting off poor Tony Krause's fingers in order to get another viewing. I think that that whole um, section about, oh, this isn't, well, Matt Pemulus's older brother mm-hmm. being a prostitute. Matt Pemulus. Oh, is his name Matt Pemulus? Yeah, he was Matty Pemulus, yeah. That we had that whole story for no no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, that'll make me really mad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they're in the shop. Right, so they're trapped in the shop being experimented on. I feel a little like they've been sort of discarded, that, that sort of like, oh, I didn't know where to go with these stories. So they're captured and now they're test subjects and they'll probably be dead soon. Um, mm, just feels a little, a little disappointing. Uh, and the wheelchair assassins are planning to kidnap the incondensed children. Yep. So then we're back at Gately, who dreams about Joel Van Dyne. Um, imagines there's a whole story about his next door neighbor as a kid, and then he, his dream is of Joel Van Dyne with her face. Wait, is that the part? That's not the part where she dies, where he explains her death. The neighbor's death? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. That was so sad. That was the saddest story. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad story of this neighbor as a child, and then she's dead after baking him a cake. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> I mean yeah that's a real I've taken a <laughs> yeah yep. cake. she makes him a cake and she dies yeah. <laughs> next <laughs> well this okay I'll no <laughs> I'll to... explain you explain no, please you already had your okay, snap no. I, I want you to <laughs> it was just so sad because he would go over there when he needed a break from his house right mm-hmm and he played it down in his telling of it that he didn't make a habit of it and it wasn't a big deal. But he always celebrated, this is kind of heavy handed, but like he always celebrated his birthday with other kids' birthdays because his mom, like, like the people felt sorry for him because they were so poor. So he was having like a group birthday celebration and the crazy old neighbor that nobody talked to and nobody's parents would allow them to like go over there or anything. She came hobbling across the street with a cake that she made for him. And he, like, described it that it was made with such loving care. And even though all the candles were different, and then no one would touch the cake. And the mom told them not to touch the cake. And the mom ended up throwing it in the trash when no one was looking. But no one also offered to think to ask the old lady to stay at the party. And so she just walked home and killed herself right yeah like i said she baked a cake and then she died <laughs> no you're you're telling it of it's much sadder oh and then my other question was did date great blah, 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 did <laughs> did gately grow up next to the house that the incandenses moved into because the little old lady had weird jars <laughs> jars <laughs> You <laughs> sounded Swedish. Um, <laughs> she had the summer jars. <laughs> she had jars of fungus. And remember how Hal ate the fungus? 
Because they had just moved into the house? Mm. Uh, maybe. I'm. Am I like pulling strings? I don't know. That oh. might be crazy yarn string, but yeah. <laughs> um, I did write down, or I, I wrote down to to look at um, the notion that uh, mothers mothers always kill you. Did you did that resonate? That uh, this is from a dream, so it's in a dream, but. Uh, Death says that this certain woman that kills you is always your next life's mother. Um, that's This is how it works, didn't he know? In the dream, everybody in the world seems to know this except Gately, like he'd missed that day in school when they covered it. And so Death's having to sit here naked and angelic and explain it to him very patiently, more or less like remedial reading at Beverly High School. Death says the woman who either knowingly or involuntarily kills you is always someone you love, and she's always your next life's mother. This is why moms are so obsessively loving, why they try so hard, no matter what the private troubles or issues or addictions they have of their own, why they seem to value your welfare above their own, and why there's always a slight, like, twinge of selfishness about their obsessive mother love. They're trying to make amends for a murder neither of you quite remember, except maybe in dreams. So I just filed that under. Blame the mom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Your mom on. killed you. Uh, this is so clearly written by a man it's like a male explanation right i mean sound reads pretty true to me i'm giving you the come on face. and i'm giving you the i was kidding face <sighs> then uh then we've then hal's in first person yeah, has, has hal has hal ever been in first person before that's what i asked because i was like this feels this feels strange. Yeah. So Hal's in first person. I don't even remember what he did in this section because I was so shocked <laughs> by he was in first you were person. Like, Wait, well, what's happening? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, no, he's wandering around the. Uh, oh, when the guy got his forehead stuck to the. Yeah, that's not in this first one, but um, but yeah, that's where, where we end up is with the other guy getting his head stuck. But he's wandering around the the tennis house early in the morning, um, and Hal's in first person. This section starts with God am I'm going to say this so wrong. It's some Latin that is uh, God Amaeus Igatur. Le Prince something. Uh, so let us rejoice. It's a like oh. it's a college drinking song from like the 1200s that evidently some colleges still sing to this day. What is that? Where is that? At the very top of 851. Wait. And, uh on 20 November, Year of the Dependent Adult Undergarment. Because I looked up one thing and the translation was like returning prince. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, hit pause. What page are you on? 851. Yeah, the student prince. Hmm. <laughs> I looked it up in Wikipedia. I don't know. Maybe that's I, a different translation of it. I don't know. So... The student prince would make more sense as a direct I title like for this was... section as, as Hal is sort of wandering around this place that's owned by his, or was started by his parents. Yeah, that's a much better translation than uh, Let Us Rejoice. <laughs> All right, so he's wandering around a little bit. Then we come back to Gately. Uh, Joel Van Dyne is uh, sitting by his... Uh, bedside uh those gately passages were kind of long yeah he's uh half in and out of he's wandering in and out of consciousness he can't talk which he only learns very late 
in this section is because he's he's intubated. Um, and he's struggling with not accepting narcotics as painkillers. Right. And he has a long dream with a doctor that, I mean, that turns out to be a dream where a doctor's trying to get him to, to take some narcotic. And I read that part trying to analyze it through the voice of the character because mm-hmm. he gets, he says racial slurs. Mm-hmm. Or in one of these, one of these characters. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they all do. No, Gately does a bunch, yeah. Okay. Um, and it does feel clunky. It doesn't feel like, I don't know. Well, in one of them, I noted, maybe this is my th- thanks for the end note for the week, is on 857, he says the N word, and then there's a end note, and the end note just says the, the sick, S-I-C, mm-hmm. which you use to indicate an error in the original like transcript. You say, this is an error. I'm presenting you this information, but and it contains an error but I'm giving you an accurate quote of what the original person said. So what what the hell does that mean in this context? Is he saying, oh, yeah, that's a bad word? Like, it's he doesn't misspell it. I actually looked at it like three times to be like, he didn't misspell the N-word. <laughs> it's not a long word. Um, so it was very confusing. I just had a thought. Yeah. Not about that. Yeah. When you were... About the section where Howl's in first person. Mm-hmm. You were surprised. I was surprised that Howl was in first person. What if each of the narratives starts to pop up as first person for that character, but then they all bleed into one? Well, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if that happens. All right. Do you feel like something's leading to that? Or are you just wondering, like, what if? It feels like an experimental mm. something. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we're surprised that Hal's suddenly in first person. But that's, as you know, that's because David Foster Wallace rolled his 20-sided die and <laughs> came up 17, which on his little chart meant do a section in first person. And he was like, oh, I haven't done a first section in first person. I better do a, I got to write Hal from the first person. Is he wearing a cape? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, in this section, I do want to note, uh, we've been kind of, you know, there's been some hints that Joel Van Dyne is attracted to Gately, and Gately, well, pretty, I, mean, I mean, the fact that she's there. She, they know. pretty much spelled it out when she, when he got shot. Yeah. Well, now, and then, and then the fact that she's visiting him in the hospital, and, and, and then he shuts it down. I mean, internally, he can't even talk to her to shut it down to her, but the whole thing about 13 step, 13th steppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting, just like, nope, that's not going to happen. If you think there's some romance here, no, there's none. Gately's going to shut that down because mm-hmm. that would be inappropriate. Does he have moral fiber? Hmm. So I guess, yeah, I didn't think about that, about, like, that's showing, it's, it's shutting down a plot thread, but showing that he has morals. Hmm. Fuzzy won't, won't give DFW any, any credit. No, no, I'm giving him credit for that. Of like, yeah, that's, I guess that's, 
guess he's subverting a trope. Like, right? I, I guess I fell into sort of a little bit of a like, oh, what if they got together oh, yeah. without thinking about the realities <laughs> of that? You're you know. romantic. I'm a romantic. Back to Hal in first person, and then he encounters Stice, who's leaning his head against a window, and it turns out he has his forehead is frozen to the window. Um, and then he tries to pull him off, but like his head stretches. Like yep. it's pretty weird. Um, I have a word here. Skirling is as of a uh, as a whale as of a bagpipe. The word is skirling, S-K-I-R-L-I-N-G, and it means like a, a high, eerie sound, like as a, like a bagpipe makes. Hmm. That's from or, that section yeah. where he's stuck to the window? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another theory. Okay. What if... <laughs> yeah. What if the collective consciousness... Of the novel. Okay. Is starting to feel the effects of the quaaludes that they bought. Remember the quaaludes? Well, the... DMT? Oh, DMT, which is not... Which is an experimental drug. It's a, it's a drug that doesn't exist in real, the real world. Okay. So, all of these weird um, disturbances from reality... Things moving around, ghosts, are actually the novel starting to feel the effects of the DMT, which is actually how brain his brain is melting <laughs> because of the drugs that he took. And then that brings us back to the beginning of the novel where he's inside of himself and he can't talk. Yeah. What if the, what if this whole book is how dream tripping on dmt <laughs> the whole thing and then that makes sense of why james in condensa appears to gately because gately is a figment mm-hmm. of Hal's imagination and so of course a figment of Hal's imagination could know about james in condensa mm-hmm. could be given information because Hal knows about it maybe maybe Hal is just in a coma Maybe when Hal was a child and that took ate that fungus, the whole thing is a trip from then. <laughs> Maybe. What if a person named David Foster Wallace went into a room for five years and imagined a bunch of bullshit and wrote it down, just whatever came into his head, and he wrote 1,600 pages and he randomly threw away 600 of them. <laughs> randomly? <laughs> randomly. You're like condemning. He he just flipped the pages open and yep. rolled his die. Yep. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'll let you know if I come up with any other ones. All right. Oh, there's just I I just keep calling him out. Uh, when when he's trying to get Stice's forehead off the thing, Hal goes and finds two janitors. And just David Foster Wallace trying to write a black person is just just cringe-worthy. So bad. Tyne, I'm jumping to the next section, is Tyne of the Office of Unspecified Services. Uh, and evidently I missed at some point that there's like a, 
a Rodney Tyne Sr. and a Rodney Tyne Jr. I don't did know. Did you if... miss it? I did. You think? Have we met? Oh, do you think it's new information? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I don't even know whether the one we met before was senior or junior. I guess it was senior. I think it was senior. Um, so, th- so this is a, a little playlet with little, uh, you know, character names, a colon, and then there, and the uh, the officials of the U.S. government are putting together an anti the entertainment ad for kids of like don't watch ad don't watch cartridges that you don't know what they are and what do you think of this i'll stop it was i mean it's an it's a parody of advertising yeah marketing mm-hmm. i mean i can appreciate that the ridiculousness of it because his name's phil what did it end up being Phil the... that they threw out that it was going to be a kleenex oh and then it's a it's a donkey it's a donkey and um, the only thing I wrote down from this section was <laughs> like a throwaway line. It's so stupid. On page 883, they're like, and that's when we'll roll out the something and softcore, the softcore cartridges of Phil, the donkey. So they're like, we'll release this to the kids first. Mm-hmm. And then our second wave will like back channel release the donkey on softcore. Mm. <laughs> Am I reading that wrong? No, yeah, I think I, I, did, I guess I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh, targeted at teens. They've oh, got a. Is it that says, what it was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, since Tom's too modest to say so, I should say that Tom's already storyboarded an extremely uh, exciting adolescent targeted version of fully functional Phil. For music, video, and softcore disseminations, where Phil engages in a great deal more ironic self-parody, and in this version, his trademark ex- expression becomes, It's your ass, Ace. <laughs> yep. Uh, ap- ep- ep- epilepsy <laughs> is played for laughs in this yeah. section. That's hilarious. Hilarious. Epilepsy is hilarious. Uh, Gately, jumping back to Gately who oh this is where he has the dream about being offered drugs um and he remembers his old scams as a child or we learn about old scams because also day somebody told him about their scams i don't know it all bleeds together everybody's Um, got a scam everybody's got a scam and then hal we're back to hal and hal is laying on the floor of a viewing room having a panic attack or something existential crisis no yeah something he's very horizontal that's very important to him other people coming in are described as being vertical Uh, i wrote down here lots of words this section just seems to get real i guess it's a real interior to how it's in first person and it's just like real wordy it's not a lot of not a lot's happening it's just a lot of description about how weird he feels well maybe that is a good it like places you in that place the chatter in your brain yeah did that did that work for you i didn't notice it no <laughs> just power on through <laughs> keep moving <laughs> and then the last bit for this week and i mean we blew past oh i, I actually put in i remember what this mark meant is uh that little playlet marked our the start of our uh extra section oh, that yeah. we read this week and then, uh, so the very last section is Gately. 
his big head. Gately has a big head. That's what this is about. I mean, he's still in the hospital, but it's uh, it's about him remembering about how he how big his head out is. of school eventually, like his sort of life story, right? Yeah, is that the life story part? Mm-hmm. His big head. Mm-hmm. I got two words out of this section. Ooh, cognomen means nickname. Oh, could have used nickname. Could have used nickname. Oh, I didn't look up the pronunciation of this one. Droog. Droog. A young man belonging to a street gang. Mm. Is that from the novel of um, A Clockwork Orange? Uh, this was just the dictionary definition. Oh, it wasn't okay. like a... I feel like maybe it's like in in Clockwork Orange, um, which Michael is all... Droogs? I thought so. Looking for I can't find my, my cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Here it is. <clears throat> That's your phone. It's not cigarettes. I'm light I'm lighting a gasper. <laughs> hey Google. Where's my droog? It might be an existing slang word that he was just using. The novel of um Clockwork Orange is written in a like very hard. <laughs> I would say very hard to read. Like Mick, it's written in first person from the perspective of this street thug, um, the main character who speaks like future slang that is a mix of like existing English slang and Russian slang. And I can't get my phone to work. Oh, I think I have some cigarettes slash phone. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's from Clockwork Orange. The origin. It's a fiction. Yeah, it's a fictional slang that. Um, Anthony Burgess made up for Clockwork Orange. But it's in the actual dictionary now. Oh, yeah. I believe it. You do? <laughs> I believe Yes, I believe you. Well, I mean, not every slang word gets officially in the dictionary. Not everyone, but I guess it got, it's used enough, used enough like in this use that you put it in the dictionary. Yeah. You don't believe me? No, I. it's not... I don't know. It's not about belief. I, I don't know what I'm reacting to. I'm tired. Life is complicated and hard. And sometimes Droog gets put in the dictionary. Hey, I don't know. Well, that's the whole thing. Do you have more notes? We miss anything from your notes? Nope. No? You got all your notes? Oh, I mean, one thing at the very beginning. At the very, very beginning. Of the book. Of the, no, of the <laughs> section. I don't remember whose mom it was, but they were talking about somebody's mom. Mm-hmm. And she was busy. She was away. She was at a speculum party. And <laughs> I wrote, speculum party? Question mark? Yeah, that's what. <laughs> I guess it's just one of those stupid jokes, but it caught my eye. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm t- I'm, I'm torn between like, if it's a, if it's like, was it was it, from the perspective of the kid, who might mishear a word, or oh, is is point. David Foster Wallace actually saying that no 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 this is people have speculum parties, like Tupperware parties or lingerie parties. It felt like that. Well, you know, just his his classic like let me just take a thing that exists and just exaggerate. One part of it. That's comedy. Is that bad? 
I don't know. I guess it did. did is that funny? Is that funny to you? <laughs> is a speculum party hilarious to you? <laughs> no, it seemed very odd. Yeah. No, well, I guess it worked. It felt odd. That's oddity. <clears throat> okay, great. Great. We did it. Sorry I dragged, dragged you over here when you're sick. I suggested it. Mm. No. So. But I started this whole thing. <laughs> well, you did. So you're going to be paying for a long time. So you don't have to <clears throat> move your bookmark. Yeah. Next week. For next week, we just finish. It's page 981. So we think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, wait, I just checked. It's, it's page 981. Ooh. And no, I mean, you think you're going to finish. Oh. Do you think there's going to be, like, on page 979, it says, go back to page one, <laughs> and we'll be compelled to do so. Uh, no, I just, the, 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 the small favors that you look for in this, in this whole process, page 981, the words don't even fill up the page. It's, like, less than half the page. I don't even care. So it's just that little bit less. Wait, I lost my spot. Where did we lead off? We left off at page 907. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think, in fact, I think I didn't even read any of 907. I think we were supposed to read it, but I could tell that it was the start of a new section, a new little chapter lit or whatever. So I didn't even read it. So we could... Pound this out tomorrow, meet on Sunday. We could. And then it's all But then we have to watch the movie. Wait. And then we have to do a post-mortem. Is there a movie? Yeah, the David Foster Wallace. Oh, the documentary about... Or Wait, there's there's a documentary and there's a... No, the one with... Oh, yeah, with What's-His-Pants. That guy. Yeah. Okay, I guess we got to watch that. Okay, this is going to be like, we're going to stretch this out to like 20 episodes. <laughs> then we got to read all the notes. <laughs> we have to discuss. We got to go back and read all the things that we didn't, all the articles that I linked to that I didn't read in case they had spoilers. Yeah. Got to go back and read those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a gift that keeps on <laughs> Or we could read the last 70 pages and then do one more podcast about it and be done. Spoil sport. Until we read the Epic of Gilgamesh. All right. Thanks for coming over. Thanks. See us all next week. See us all next week. Yeah, that's as good as it gets around here. Thanks to Noah Jennings for our music. Thanks to Dave Stint for the name. Thank you for sticking through 12 episodes of this thing. See you next week. Thank you.